0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Doug show. My name is Doug Cunnington. And today I'm excited to hear from a a big food blogger, Audrey Johns. And uh, to be honest, I don't know a ton about her site or her background. Of course, I did a little research, but we're going to dig in like we usually do for these success stories. And I think everyone is going to be pretty surprised and excited to hear this story. So Audrey, how's it going today?
1: Great. How are you doing today, Doug?
0: I am awesome and yeah, really excited to you know, catch up and, and learn more about you. So who are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh,
1: well, I'm a food blogger and cookbook author. Um, the blog started first though, and I write healthy recipes. So I basically take all the stuff that you crave, the pastas, the pizzas, the ice creams, all of that stuff, and I just make it in a healthier way in a clean eating kind of a cooking style.
0: Okay. And you started the blog and then you became an author. So, what were you doing before that?
1: Well, okay. So, I was a brand new mom and the big housing crash happened. What was that in 2009? And I was in housing, I was managing apartments and I got laid off. And I thought, all right, well, I'll just do the stay at home mom thing for a little bit. And I, you know, maybe six months into it, I was. out of my mind. I had never not worked. And um, I started teaching myself how to cook. And I pulled out old cookbooks and just started kind of like the Julie and Julia story, you know, just started cooking out of my favorite cookbooks. Excuse me. And through that, I actually ended up Losing a ton of weight, and that's how the blog started. I was almost three hundred pounds, very unhealthy, eating just processed crap, drinking tons of diet sodas, just really punishing my body on a day-to-day basis. And while I was learning how to cook, I was actually teaching myself how to lose weight. And I, you know, was still in the whole mommy scene. I brought my daughter to dance, and all the moms were like, "Wow, you've lost so much weight just since last week! What are you doing?" And I had the hardest time articulating it. And so I said, you know what? I'm just going to start a blog and I'm just going to, you know, write down everything I eat every day. And that's how Lose Weight by Eating started. Um, and throughout the years, it spun out of control and became this big site with four cookbooks and TV spots and crazy stuff.
0: That is, yeah, that's amazing. And did you have anyone in your life that, was blogging or had some success? Did you have like a a template in your mind of what you were trying to do?
1: No, not at all. I think I had maybe been on Facebook for a year. I mean, I didn't know (laughs) anything about the web. I mean, I was the gal who would email somebody, hey, could you please print this for me? Because I couldn't even handle that. I mean, I was in no way, shape or form tech savvy. Um, So I had to teach myself all of it. I didn't have anyone I could reach out to. I just you know, went on YouTube, went online, you know, typed in the questions. And, you know, now I know those questions, SEO, but I did not know at the time.
0: Got it. And this was like 2009, 2010. Yeah. Okay, cool. So and you've been running the blog ever since, right?
1: I have been. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten some help here or there. Once in a while, I'll bring a writer in, but it's 99% me and it always has been.
0: Congrats on losing the weight. Um, That's amazing. And all all the TV spots, can you, just so people understand the scope of what we're talking about, can you mention some of the shows that you've been on or maybe some coverage that you've had?
1: Oh yeah. So um, I do the Rachel Ray show all the time. Uh, I think I've I've lost count. I think I've been on it six times, maybe. Um, every time she does a, a weight loss spot with Bob Harper from The Biggest Loser, I'm usually dragged in on it. Not that I was on The Biggest Loser, but Bob and I have a great rapport. I've done The Today Show, um, Hollywood Today Live. I've done um, uh, some of the Hallmark Home and Family TV shows. Yeah, I've just I've done a lot of little, mostly news spots, you know, when they bring somebody on and they're like, Hey, cook this meal. That's, right. that's what I get to do. And I actually got to cook with Kathy Lee Gifford before she left the today show, which was really exciting and fun.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So pretty amazing. So big site, you have an awesome story and you know, side question. Those are, those are huge shows like household type names where I don't watch any, uh, generally most of those, um, but I know what they are. So did you have, or do you have some imposter syndrome like go, going and being on those and follow up? Is it? Are you like super nervous? Did you have like a performance background or something where you're okay with all that?
1: I know performance background. I do love being in front of the camera and it's taken me so many years to be able to just admit that. But the Rachel Ray show, I'd never realized they have this huge studio audience and I'm terrified speaking in front of people. And I remember getting there and, you know, they bring you out on the set and they show you around. And then I saw the seats and I immediately had a panic attack. So, um, no, no background, huge imposter syndrome issue, um, like really unhealthy. In fact, I've been talking about it a lot on social media lately. Um, I just, for the longest time, I just wanted the food to do the talking. And so social media, I removed myself from it completely and just kept pushing the food. Not great when it comes to SEO in my realm. So I've had to kind of, you know, back it back up and bring it back to me and about my story. Um, But it's it's not easy. And going on these shows and and boasting about them, especially as a woman, you know, when when somebody says, hey, I'm awesome. And they're a woman, they usually get like a "Hmm." but when a guy says, hey, I'm awesome. Everybody's like, hell, yeah, you're awesome. So there's not just the imposter syndrome. There's, you know, even the backlash that I get if if I get excited about my uh, my successes. And so, I'm trying to kind of change that narrative a little bit and, you know, push through it.
0: And, you know, what, one thing that was sort of embedded in your answer there is it's not just imposter syndrome from a few years ago. Like, you're still experiencing it right now, right?
1: Right now. In fact, even being on your show, I'm so honored to be on your show, Doug. I feel like why am I here? You know, I, I, I feel like I barely know anything about SEO. And when I talk to people, they're like, damn, you do know. But I still feel like I'm a novice. And um, sure. yeah, it's still an issue. I hope I can say the D word on, on your show. I work in a lot of kitchens, so I hear a lot of bad words.
0: Oh, yeah. I did, did you say a bad word just now? I, I, I said, even... damn. <gasps> oh, oh. <laughs> you could say much worse. Yeah. Okay. We, uh, we could say whatever we want here. So in, uh, in a similar way, I'm thinking, why are you talking to me on my show? It's so small. But uh, thanks for being here. Appreciate it.
1: <laughs> well, hey, we're both, we should work on that imposter syndrome together. <laughs> no. We can like coach each other through, hold each other up. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. We're supposed to be here doing what we're doing right now. So one, uh, side note, uh, tangent, I love cooking shows. So I actually did, uh, watch Rachel's show back on the food network circa trying to think it was in college. So 90, like 99 to early two thousands or so. So I'd watch, it was 30 minute meals, right? That was her original show. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So I watched it back then and then I'm a huge nerd. So I liked, uh, good eats and Alton Brown have several of his books. So I, I love food shows and I basically can watch them like all day long. So did you have kind of that same background or you came into it sideways because it was the diet?
1: Oh, I was, I still to this day, am a huge Nigella Lawson fan. Um, I used to watch Nigella with my mom back when she was on the style network. And I forgot to mention this talk about imposter syndrome. I was on season two of the taste, which was kind of like a, they were trying to do the voice, um, mm-hmm. but remake it for food. And it was with, uh, Nigella Lawson and Anthony Bourdain and Marcus Samuelson. And, Whoa. um, I was actually, yeah, I was on season two. I was on Marcus's team and, um, yeah, I, so I actually not only did I grow up, or did I grow up? Gosh, Audrey, <laughs> did I roll in that realm of just loving the food shows? I got to work with some of the greats, which is just still just seems really weird. Yeah, <laughs> and and not not real. It seems like it was a dream, to be honest.
0: That's a that's amazing. So okay, you started the blog. It was really just to help communicate your story to people that were kind of asking about it. And you really didn't know anything about like niche sites or starting a site. You were just like, Hey, I'm going to blog and see how this goes. When did you know that it was starting to pick up some traction and working?
1: I would say, so I didn't put ads on it for a really long time. I just didn't want to be that person. I didn't understand, um, how important that was, which is super silly now when I think about it. But I did do the Amazon affiliate. And one of my recipes went viral. And I think I made 50 bucks in a day. And, you know, at that time, it was not obviously the website was not supporting me. But once I saw that happen, it was kind of this aha moment. And that's when I started looking into um, monetizing. And I mean, I don't even think I knew the word monetizing at the time. But that's when I started looking into all of that. Um, That was the moment, I would say, that would, would have been around maybe 2011.
0: Okay. So not too long. And from, from where I sit, you know, you got a good start. You didn't get distracted with like, Hey, I got to earn a bunch of money or anything. So you just focused on the content, the core message of what you were trying to do. And then a couple of years later, you were like, okay, maybe yeah. I can earn some money. Yeah. And you mentioned you were earning some some money can you talk um both about sort of the traffic that you actually i'll separate into two questions so can you talk about the traffic (laughs) over over the years yeah for the people that are not watching on youtube i just threw a marker out of my hand because i'm waving my arms around like a maniac so traffic wise you started to get a little bit of traction can you talk about the traffic from those early days all the way up until now As much as you want to share, you can share specific numbers or you can just kind of give us um, a ballpark uh, kind of relative amount of growth.
1: You know, I don't really remember the numbers in the beginning just because, and I know this might sound so strange to your, you know, your, your listeners and, and those watching. Um, I didn't come about it as, you know, in the same way. So I, I don't know how many visits I was getting on a daily basis until really recently, until maybe the last five years. Um, but I do know that I was mostly pushing the website on social media. Facebook um, and Pinterest were my two big ones. And still to this day are. I have about a quarter of a million people on Facebook. So that was really where I started. And when I think about the early posts, I mean, they were just trash in comparison to what I'm putting out there now. Like really bad photos and no recipe cards because that wasn't a thing at the time. And um, definitely not SEO. In no way, shape, or form did I even... I didn't even know how to look up a keyword. I didn't even... No, that was a thing. So, you know, for traffic, I'm really not sure. Um, recently, you know, I can, what I can say is that, um, the website makes enough to support me and my daughter. So, um, you know, that's, it's about the traffic numbers you can assume upon.
0: Perfect. And that, I mean, that's really what most people want. And I was actually interviewing, uh, slash that was a coaching call. So someone was like, Hey, I want to, You know, have replacement income and I think I need to hire a team of people and I need to have all this running because there's a lot of work to do. And I asked that person if they really wanted to have a team of people or if they really wanted something else. And they thought they needed to have a team of people. I didn't lead them that much, but the point is they didn't really want to have a team because that's a big responsibility. They just wanted to be able to support their family and have freedom to hang out with their children, and go on a walk, or go work out, or whatever was important to them. And I think that's that's key, especially when people are thinking, "Hey, I want to, I want to grow and earn a ton of money, or whatever." Really, they just want to have have some freedom. So, a- along the way, has that sort of guided your decisions from a business standpoint and a you know small business owner standpoint?
1: Yes. Um, I, I went from writing the the fun recipes to writing the SEO savvy recipes for the website, but I'm lucky enough to be under contract with HarperCollins so I can take the fun recipes and put them in cookbooks because you don't need SEO for cookbooks yet. God, I hope it's not going that <laughs> route. <laughs> I, I <laughs> hope that was, if so, I just shot myself in the foot writing four cookbooks non-SEO. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely changed. I mean, in fact, I, um, I wrote four new recipes yesterday. Um, so anybody, you know, getting started, if I can do four in a day, so can you. Um, but they're 100% SEO driven, you know, I mean, obviously they taste good, but before I start testing a recipe, I look it up, you know, I, I do my, my keyword research. I, you know, make sure that it's not too saturated. I mean, even before I test a recipe now, now, if there's a recipe I want to make anyways, and it comes out great, then I write it all down and I save it for the next cookbook.
0: Okay. Interesting. And you mentioned before that your images weren't that great. What, What are you doing for images now? How important are images for, you know, ranking a recipe?
1: I would say extremely important. Um, now, typically, when you'd write an SEO article, you only get if, you, if you're lucky enough to get on page one, you only get that one snippet. But when you're a recipe site, you get two maybe even three. So you get the snippet. Then you also get the little recipe card up at the top. And then if you're lucky enough to get video on there as well. So photo is really, really important. I work with, um, several different food stylists and food, um, uh, photographers to get the right photos. Cause I am not talented at it. So basically I make sure that, um, that, you know, the recipe's good. It tastes good. It's, you know, SEO. And then I, you know, hit them up for a great photo and, um, that's that's it's a fun community to work in as well because there are more people who are obsessed with food like me
0: (laughs) yeah so so you have some people locally like if you're if you're going to do a recipe like you have the photographer come over and they like take pictures or no
1: i i farm it out it's all online so i'll give them a recipe and i'll say here's what i need to be done
0: got it it's it's
1: now for the cookbooks, I use a specific team. Um, Carl Kravitz is my photographer and he was actually the very first photographer for Saturday Night Live. So he's got some really fun, what? funny stories. I know I have an amazing team in Fallbrook, California. Um, And I have a food stylist and a a chef, but that's just for the cookbook. So we can all come together and work together and that there can be photos of me in the book, but for everything else, it's who's available at what time, you know, um, say for instance, I do a eggplant Parmesan recipe. And then two weeks later I do another pot, you know, a very Italian recipe. I might want to have the same team working on it just because I want there to be some continuity there.
0: Interesting. So you develop the recipe and then you see who's available. It sounds like you have a pool of people that may be able to take Mm -hmm. it. They are not only photographers, but they have to be able to cook it and then plate it and then make it look good. style
1: it. And style it's a huge, this is the biggest thing. I mean, nobody would think this, but you look at any pretty piece of chicken, it you know, a photo, it's not cooked all the way. Like, you cannot cook chicken all the way and make it look pretty. Um, I was actually doing a photo shoot for one of my cookbooks, and my daughter was really tiny, and she was in the photo, and she really, when it was done, she really wanted that piece of chicken. We're like, no, 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 it's not cooked. So, yeah, I mean, it's not just about cooking it so that it's um, accurate. It's got to be pretty because – we are very visual, especially when it comes to recipes. I mean, think about any cookbooks. I don't know if you have any, but you want them to be, be filled with pretty pictures, and it's exactly the same thing online.
0: Got it. So one thing that I've complained about on the show uh, multiple times is when I look up a recipe and there's all this filler story material. So n- nowadays we do have the you know, click to jump to the recipe thank goodness. But are you guilty of putting all the filler material about how you love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or something (laughs) like that?
1: Uh, Definitely early on, I was. um, I was kind of mimicking what everybody else did. And still to this day, when I speak to people in the SEO realm, I get two different stories. One, you need to get to a thousand words. No matter what, you need to get to a thousand words. And two, why are you doing that? shit you know yeah. just give them what they want so lately i've been doing I, and and if my seo guys watching he's probably cringing right now i've i'm throwing that information away and i'm trying to do like 500 to 600 words and just giving the people what they want um, and i'm doing you know an experiment so to speak on that and just i can churn out more the recipes are better because i'm not so exhausted and hopefully I'm giving the people what they want. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I, I'm sure everyone understands why there's so much filler in there. It's so there's more ads. So we make right. more money, you know? Right. Um, cause there is a high overhead when it comes to writing recipes, but, um, yeah.
0: Interesting. So. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I come at it more from a consumer uh, reading the recipes and that's, you know, I think what you're doing is great and I'd rather have, you know, the internet that I want to consume than like what search engines might want because I think, you know, that shifts over time. And that's one of, one of the realities of like getting search traffic. So yeah, I don't want to read random stories about irrelevant stuff. I think you're good. Make it concise. I mean, anything that you want to read or consume, you don't want the long version. You want like the tight the the version that just has what you need and nothing more. So,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And I'm definitely trying to just give the people what they want. I really feel like there's a good chance that that is where this is all moving right now with the new Google updates. It's it's giving the people what they want, not what um we think Google wants. So, you know, I'm trying to kind of change the the scope on that.
0: So, initially you weren't thinking about keywords so much, you were, you know, writing whatever you were thinking about at the time, how has it shifted and what's your keyword approach now?
1: Well, now it's, you know, before I even start working on a recipe, it's do the keyword research do. Um, and I mean, usually I just come up with them on the fly. I mean, I wanted to do today, for instance, a uh, um, uh, a recipe for mushroom tacos. And so, you know, I thought it. I was thinking about it. And I'm like, okay, how can this work? And then I go and I I do some keyword research. I actually use Uber Suggest, which I know a lot of people don't use, but I've, I've I really enjoy the um, the platform. Uh, and then I research my competitors to see, you know, who's got what. And then I look at the photos and see who's got what. And because it's, you know, it's not just which one has the best tagline in my industry. It's which one has the best photo. So you, there's so many different aspects. And then I've got to test it. You know, I got to go to the grocery store. I've got to test it. It never comes out right the first time. I mean, that would, that's just like winning the lottery. And so it's this long drawn out process, um, from just the idea all the way to publishing it.
0: Okay. And how many iterations of a recipe do you typically have to go through?
1: I would say two to three. I mean, I at this point now, um, I'm pretty good at knowing what's going to taste good but sometimes it's, you know, a little bit off or sometimes I'll modify it while I'm doing it. And then I'll wonder, well, what would have happened if I would have started with that? So often it's just, you know, we're going to have mushroom tacos two nights in a row for dinner. That's what happens. (laughs) You know, there's a lot of eating the same stuff in this house, but I've also gotten good at just paring it down. So I, all I have to do is make one serving and, you know, that way there's not as much food waste.
0: Okay. And then did you do any like culinary studies to all self-taught.
1: No, all self-taught. In fact, I looked into it briefly when when I had my first cookbook came out, and I reached out to my literary agent, and she said, "What the hell are you thinking? Absolutely not! You are, you know, like Rachel Ray. You know, don't don't do it. The fact that you're just a home cook, you're like everybody else. That's why your stuff sells. So, no, I have not. I've wanted to, but I've been told very sternly, do not do that.
0: (laughs) It it does make sense. And I I was only I was thinking more of like the recipe formulation, but I mean, really. If you, if you cook a bunch, like I think you develop an intuition, which it sounds like, you know, you watched a lot of cooking shows and stuff when you, before you started writing cookbooks and writing for the blog, would you use recipes pretty strictly or did you use them as a guideline? And I'm asking because I typically don't use recipes and I'll eyeball it and I kind of aim in the right direction and actually it's a pretty good hit percentage, probably like 90% of the time it comes out fine. And you know, you can adjust along the way. So were you a strict recipe follower or kind of shoot from the hips?
1: Well, I I think I started that way. I think a lot of people start that way. And I have quite a few food allergies, which is really strange for somebody in my industry. So, you know, I might see a shrimp recipe that sounded really good and I'd have to modify it because I'm allergic to shrimp. So it was very slow progression of modifying it for my diet and then eventually modifying it to my tastes. And then eventually saying, here's a good recipe and here's a good recipe and let's marry them together and then just off the cuff. So it was, there was definitely an evolution with all of that, but it it was pretty slow. And, you know, I think anybody out there trying to get creative in the kitchen, I I love to tell people that cooking is the only place in your life where if you mess up, you can just order a pizza. A pizza can't fix anything else in life, but it can fix in this one (laughs) instance. So I say, go for it and try it out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So any other keyword um sort of tips or approaches before we start talking about content a little bit more?
1: Um one thing I will say, um, and this might you know, answer some of your questions later on, is when I feel stuck and I don't know what I want to write about or what keywords I want to search, I ask my Facebook community or my Instagram community. So typically, somebody will come back and they'll say, I want this, and then you do the re- research around it. So what I will say, and I, and I know this isn't directly to that question, you know, ask your followers what they want, and then try to make those work within your keyword research, because then you're really giving your audience what they want.
0: I love that. And uh, a little hack, if someone doesn't have a big Facebook group is just go to a similar Facebook group where the audience does hang out and see what questions people have and the discussion that is already happening. And you could probably get some ideas from there.
1: I hadn't even thought of that. That's brilliant.
0: Well, you, You have your own audience, so you don't have to like go run around. So you could, you know, just go to your own Facebook group and do it. Awesome. we don't have a proper sponsor for today's episode. So I thought I would just hop in here and talk about myself for a minute. So one thing you can go sign up for the email list. I actually blog over at niche site project and long time listeners will know that I used to blog there and actually blog and write and publish things, but I haven't published anything fresh that I've written in a while. Usually I just kind of publish updates from students, which I'm coaching. And those are kind of case study updates, but there's some interesting stuff over on the blog. The big thing is you can sign up for the email list there. And I usually let you know when episodes come out, I let you know about YouTube interviews as well. Sometimes they're one in the same. And sometimes I let you know when I open enrollment for my course, that is another thing. Someone emailed me actually an interview that's coming up pretty soon. And they said, hey, Doug, I've listened to like 20 plus episodes of your show. And I was just wondering, like, do you have a course or anything like that? And the answer is yes, I do have a course, but I almost never talk about it on the podcast. And I have like 400 episodes here. So it's a little, you know, I'm not taking advantage of that marketing opportunity, but I like doing the podcast overall. And I just forget to talk about myself which is why I'm doing it here. So I do have courses. I open them up occasionally. And one thing I probably should do is just put a link in the uh, the show notes and stuff over on the podcast side so people can get, go check it out. And uh, basically when I do open it up, I send it out via email. So email is like my main marketing channel. I mention it on YouTube and the podcast when those shows come out, but really email is the best way for me to do it. And sign up for the email list, I guess. Anyway, I do have courses and some other stuff. So if you are interested in knowing more, you got to connect with me elsewhere outside the audio format, which I actually love the audio format. I listen to a ton of podcasts myself, but it is hard to get people to uh, take action. A lot of people are at the gym, they're writing and driving in their car. They're doing other stuff where they can't actually like stop and do something with their podcast player. And even though I listen to a ton of shows, sometimes, uh, you know, make purchases based off that. I almost never follow anything from the show notes, hence sign up for the email list. Okay. Talked about myself for a while here. Uh, let's send it back to the interview with Audrey. So onto content, which we kind of talked about, you know, we covered images and the importance, especially for food. Um, as far as writing the content, you're kind of uh going the more concise route. Any other broad tips especially around maybe like uh f- food blog, recipes, how-to step-by-step stuff? How do you approach that writing?
1: Well, I actually I start at the bottom and I work my way up. So I start at the recipe card and I write it out and it kind of just comes to me as I'm writing out the recipe. So, um say for instance, again back to the taco recipe, I'm typing it out and then I think, man, you know, I should really add in a toppings guide. So then, you know, I jump back up to the top and I, you know, put in an H3 toppings guide so I know to go back to it. And I kind of start bottom up. Um, That's what works for me. But I feel like, you know, you have to find your own flow and and there's no right or wrong way to do it as long as you're, you know, giving your readers what they want, you know. So that's kind of how I do it.
0: Do you hire any other writers? Probably... I understand you're an author and you write books, so I'm assuming you don't, but a lot of people do hire writers. So do you have any other writers on your team?
1: I do. In fact, um, so I write I do all the recipes, but the, you know, avocado nutrition or um oh gosh, I did this whole month long project of foods that start with a foods that start with B. Yeah. There was no way in hell I was going to do that. I was just (laughs) like, I wanted to bang my head up against the wall. So I farmed out those kinds of things that the non recipe based stuff, I do farm those out and I hire writers for those.
0: Okay. Where do you hire your writers from?
1: So I have a a writer in house um, as well as Fiverr has been really great. There's um, a couple of great writers I work with on Fiverr where they'll just, they'll push something out for 40 bucks
0: how did you find good ones? You know, Fiverr is a double-edged sword where, you know, the, the quality varies widely. So how did you find your folks?
1: So I, um, I started with three and I just gave them one each, you know, three different. And I figured, you know, if they screw it up really bad, I can fix it. You know, this is just me trying to take work off my plate. Um, and ended up finding the first guy I, I reached out to. He was great. Um, now, I haven't used them in a couple of months because I've been really very focused on the recipe aspect, but I think you've just got to kind of try, but I would also recommend only farm out the articles you can fix. That way you haven't thrown away 40 or 50 bucks. You know, you can go in there and like, well, I'm not going to hire this one again, but at least I can fix it and still get it up within the time frame I want.
0: Okay. Got it. So one thing we haven't talked about yet is video and you know, you're on, you're on TV occasionally. So obviously video is probably pretty good. You're comfortable in front of the camera. Have you started to approach video? And if so, like to what extent?
1: Well, so, um, going to be a little vulnerable here. (laughs) So, um, not only have I been having a hard time with imposter syndrome, I have, I have a stalker. So, um, filming at home is not really a safe idea for me. So lately I've been, um, farming out some hands in pans videos. Um I haven't put any up yet because I'm trying to find the right team. But also on Fiverr I found hands in pans and those are like the tasty videos where you just see the pan cooking and the hands. That's why they call it hands in pans. Got it. So I'm trying to farm that out. One, just because um of my imposter syndrome and because of the other issues. And two, I just I don't have time for it. And if you think about So I've spent the money on the food to develop the recipe. I've spent the time to write the recipe. Do I really want to go all the way back again and start and now do the video? Because doing the video as you're testing is not, is you're constantly poking at it and changing it and adding this and that, and that's not going to make any sense. So that's where I'm at with that. I would love eventually to be able to do my own videos, but it's just not a place that I can can work at right now.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. And video is a huge amount of work. Like my little setup here. There's like lights all around me. There's a nice camera. Like I couldn't imagine setting it up in a kitchen and like having to deal with all of that and then tear it down unless you had like a dedicated studio kitchen, which would be, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot. Like you'd have to like build out your basement or something like that.
1: <laughs> One of these days, <laughs> maybe. It would be
0: fun. Yeah. And know, then a, right? a crew to clean it. That would be the, the biggest mm. thing.
1: Yeah, you definitely have to make enough money to have a lot of help.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. So maybe some video in the future, but right now not, not a good fit for various reasons. Cool. Okay. And on to link building. So did you do any link building? Did that come on your radar at any point in time?
1: No, And it's still, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say it's still not on my radar. I mean, I'm lucky enough that every time I go on the Rachel Ray show, they, they link back to me, you know, I go on the today show, they link back to me. So I, I've got some pretty awesome links. Um, but no, I've never really done that. And I do get the emails. I mean, like 10 emails a day, people trying to link build with me. And, um, I, 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 I don't like it. So I have yet to become that person. I know I yeah. should. I know people are listening and watching and rolling their eyes and saying, this idiot doesn't know what she's talking about. You know what? You're right. I don't when it comes to link building. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, no. So
0: <laughs> you're, you're totally fine, Audrey. And I hate those emails too. I don't get as many as you, but yeah, they, they're awful. Like they're not going to lead anywhere, but you didn't ask me for advice, but here's something I would that love you it. could do. So because you have some notoriety, you've had great appearances, you're an author, you have four books, which you can like buy at the store, right? This is not a self-published thing. Like they're at Barnes and Noble. (laughs) (laughs) So you can reach out as maybe like podcasts, for example, and just say, Hey, I did this. I have a great story. I've been covered in one, two, three. I'd love to be on your show like you would get links like i'm going to link to your site and your social stuff from this podcast and it'll be on youtube so you you can do that sort of at scale and people that listen or watch uh those uh podcasts or youtube channels they potentially have blogs and they're into it so if they hear you and they find something interesting It's a way to sort of reach the audiences of the podcast hosts as well, which may also like just bring more attention to whatever you're publishing to then get more links. So you wouldn't have to reach out in mass, send out like form emails, which just make the world a a worse place. You can go (laughs) and like be be on platforms where people would love to have you on.
1: I love that idea. And thank you, by the way, for linking sure. to me.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. And like pretty much um, like that is a link building technique to like be on podcast. The thing is, a lot of people just can't like be on podcast because they don't have any story or they're not good on a mic or they just can't make it work. So but but you can you've done all this work ahead of time. So it's like a no brainer. And you don't have to go through all the 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 normal stuff.
1: Well, that's great because I'm on another podcast next week. So apparently I'm doing the work without even realizing it, but that is a great tip. Thank you so, so much.
0: Uh, Side note so, what we can do and what you could ask of the host next week, I don't know what kind of show it is, but I can introduce you to my other peers that have shows as well that would want to talk to you also. So when you're on the other show, you could say, Hey, do you know any of your friends that I could be on their show? And then it just goes on. And I'm going to ask you the same, like, do you have any friends that also have blogs that would be good on the show? So it's like, everyone's helping each other out. We're not in competition with each other in any way. And it's just like helping uh, each other.
1: No, oh, I love it. And I definitely have some friends we can talk about too.
0: <laughs> cool. So, everything sounds like uh, it's worked out great, but I'm sure you've made some mistakes along the way. Do you have any mistakes or uh, big blunders that you've made?
1: Oh, yeah. Um. So, let's see. Uh, A few months ago, I started to take myself out. Um, and I, I kind of had explained that I had removed myself from Facebook and Instagram and was just making it about the food. I had gotten some really bad advice um, from somebody, that said, you know, make it about the food. I took my uh, my about me page, tore it down, rewrote it about us, about the, the, the lose weight by eating community, and even took the bulk of the photos of me and all of my information off. Um, and it was really bad come the last Google update. And I had to quickly rush back in and rewrite everything and it's all coming back knock on wood. But yeah, um that was a really big blunder and I had just gotten some bad advice. Um but yeah, so I would say be very careful, you know, who you take advice from, you know, and no matter if it comes from a really good place or not, um, do your research and don't just listen blindly. As I did, I made the mistake, but you know what? I was able to fix it. And that's the it's a great part,
0: you know, and it, like it makes sense if someone was like, oh, you know, make it about the brand, like the brand is stronger. But really, it's yeah. your story. Um, and actually, I have a friend, and I think he he changed that up on like maybe his email list, so it comes from the brand instead of his name. Big personality. And I was like, why, why are you doing that? People are, want to follow you specifically for your story. Like, why are you trying to write yourself out of it? Which, you know, I didn't know you at the time, but I probably would have, I would have said, eh, maybe don't do that. Um, <laughs> interesting. So you mentioned the Google update, and we've obviously had many over the past several, several years. So have you had any issues with Google updates, especially the recent ones, aside from that one? you mentioned you
1: know the sad thing is or the great thing is i should say is i have always done really well in a google update but this most recent one which was um what september october um i finally i didn't get um hit in the way that you know i i plummeted i think my competitors did better they kind of got the bump up where i usually get the bump up so i'm kind of trying to scramble and fix that and um it's slow but steady, but it's it's coming back. But this is the first time that's happened to me. So I'm really lucky. And again, I'm sure your listeners are rolling their eyes and saying, screw this B word. But yeah, <laughs> I've been lucky. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we all have our moment.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I mean, some sites, they seem to be fairly immune. And you mentioned you do get a lot of traffic via social. Can you tell us the percentage or is that proprietary?
1: Oh, no. Um, I would say... 15% is from social. It's okay. really not as much as, as one might think. I'm definitely an organic site. Um, but okay. what I did do is once this Google up, and this is a great tip and I, I think it's helping. So anybody out there with a big social media following who may have had a, a hit um, from the last update, I have found that really engaging a lot and getting a lot of people to click on the links from social has really been helping. Now, it could just be a coincidence, but I do know that Google likes it when people are clicking on the link from other places. So if you've had that hit, I, I recommend trying it. It can't hurt. If anything, you know, it'll increase your traffic, and that's all we really care about. So, right. Yeah.
0: So any other mistakes or, or anything to share in, in that area?
1: Yeah, you know, outside of my personal life, <laughs> <laughs> I've made plenty there. Um, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of mistakes I've yet to realize I have made. Um, you know, bad photos, um, not going the SEO route in the past. Um <sighs> Yeah, talking too much about the 10 different reasons why I love a a sandwich. Like you had said, I mean, yeah, there's definitely quite a few, but, um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I've got many more in my future.
0: (laughs) Okay. And how has the success of this site impacted your life?
1: Well, um, I'm here filming at home. I, um, I get to stay at home and work you know, this is, this is my, my, it's my life. It's my job. I, I don't have to bring an in income anywhere else. It's, it's all through lose weight by eating, whether I'm writing books or not, it's still, you know, the SEO aspect is enough to keep me afloat when there's not a book coming out. Um, so it's affected me in a really great way. Plus all the TV stuff is fun. I got to meet Nigella Lawson and Anthony Bourdain. I mean, does it get any better than that?
0: <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. I know. Um, How many hours per week would you say you work?
1: Um, I think it depends on um, how hard the recipes are. That week, and there are weeks that I um, I do a ton of testing and no writing, and then there are weeks that I do a ton of writing. So I would say anywhere between forty to seventy hours a week. I definitely work on the weekends. Um, Social media is a full time job in and of itself, so you know I'm I'm kind of working seven days a week. But you know I can work from my backyard. I can you know I can respond to a message on Facebook in my kitchen. So. You know, right. I'm trying to find that work-life balance I haven't quite gotten to the sweet spot yet but
0: okay it so. sounds like a lot a lot of hours um, yeah. do you ever do you ever get burned out
1: <gasps> oh yeah I'm burnt out right now in fact I was writing right before our our call here and I was like Man, I'm just I am not in the mood to write today so then I pivot to something else um, so yeah I I burn out pretty easily but I do try to take and it never really happens perfectly, but I do try to take three-day weekends where I'm not in my office at my desk, uh, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. That way I'm just on my phone responding to things or, you know, sending myself an email to remind myself to do something, you know, the next week I try to, you know, close the doors to my office and walk away.
0: Got it. And kind of similar along the same lines, you know, you, you mentioned you have some writers that do help out for things that you don't really have to do, but you, do if, If you needed to, are you looking to hire people to maybe like help manage some of the social media stuff or pieces where you can like get out a little bit to just buy back a little more time?
1: I would love to, but I think part of why my brand does so well is people really do know that they're talking to me. And from time to time, somebody will say, oh, this isn't really Audrey. That's just a bot. And I'll take a picture of me, you know, standing (laughs) in the kitchen with my hair up in a ponytail or, you know, with my kid. I'm like, no, it's really me. So I would love to do it, but I feel like for now, I really kind of have to have my my finger on the pulse, so to speak. I need to be really engaged because that's where I get a lot of my ideas are from my readers and what people are asking for, but also, um, the motivation, you know, when somebody says, oh my God, I made this last night. It was so great. And I post a picture of it. I I need that aspect for me. Um, I can imagine that there are plenty of people, you know, who write similar websites and blogs that, um, do farm out and find a lot of value in that. But for me, Mm -hmm. I'm not not there yet.
0: Right. And it makes sense. Like you said, when you remove the about page and tried to make it not about your story as much like it, well, Google didn't like it, but you know, people connect to you because of the story not because of just like the, the core bullet point facts or anything like that. So it makes sense. Yeah. So
1: I think it does, at least for me for now. So we will see eventually I would love to have somebody, you know, I tried to teach my daughter Pinterest last summer just because, like, can you do this for me, kid? She, she lost interest after about a week. <laughs> so,
0: oh, yeah. How old is you she? Know.
1: She is um, 13. I have a teenager. <laughs> but she wasn't, she wasn't into social media. And, you know, I'm not going to fight that. It's great that she doesn't want to have good. anything to do with that quite yet.
0: Yeah, I had to turn on, like, uh, the the screen time uh like thing and limit instagram cuz i was just like scrolling for you know <laughs> no reason the, the last couple of days here so do you do you have any issues with social media i mean like you have to work in there like how, how do you balance the work versus the consumption
1: I, I i have not been on my personal facebook page in probably 8 months i there it's no more, it's no fun anymore. And in fact, I've lost a few friends over it, which is kind of sad where they're like, you didn't know I was sick. Like, you know what, man, I'm, this is work for me now. I'm not going on the personal side anymore. So, um, it's definitely become part of the job, but I think there's a healthy aspect in that too. If I'm going to be on it so much, I'm not on it also for playtime, you know, that's, you know, reading a book or watching TV.
0: Sure. Gotcha. So, um, we're, we're wrapping up here. I, I think we're okay on time, right? Are you good, Audrey, yeah, for a few minutes? Yeah, okay.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm here all day for you if you need.
0: <laughs> so there are certain niches out there and topic areas where it just seems saturated. And recipe and, and food blogging is definitely one of them. So, I mean, do you think it's still an area where people can start a blog like these days and, and grow it and get traffic and get traction and all that?
1: I'd like to think they can. I mean, and even though they would be possible competitors, I would encourage somebody to do it if that's what they want. But what I can tell you is that there's not really any um, uncovered space when it comes to food. I mean, there are vegan blogs and vegetarian blogs, and there's keto blogs and gluten-free. And I mean, there's really no niche that you can kind of burrow in and and make your own name. Um, But you know, the world needs more writers and we're in this amazing time right now where you don't have to have a degree in journalism or, you know, a degree in, in really anything to become a writer. So, um, I would say try it, but there's definitely, you know, plenty of other needs out there, you know, that one can write about if, if food isn't your passion.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, even the most competitive areas, they have new creators pop up on youtube or podcast or their blogs or you know whatever other platform where they came out of nowhere and they just had a slightly different take maybe it was their personality maybe it was their story maybe it was the network that they had but i guess have you thought or have you observed anyone who popped up in the food space in the last year where you're like oh "Oh, they came out of nowhere
1: Oh, they came out of nowhere, Modern Proper, which is a beautiful website. Um, highly recommend checking it out. Um, but I was actually on a SEO phone call um, with a friend, and I told her about it. And I'm like, they just came out of nowhere. She did a quick LinkedIn search, and they're marketers. So there are oh. people now who teach people how to do this who are like, hey, I'm going to start a food blog and come in and completely disrupt the space. Now, I will give them props because they have beautiful photos and delicious recipes, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's becoming kind of cutthroat in the in the food industry.
0: Sure, And it, it makes sense. You know, it's like the Venn diagram of like their interest in food, plus they had skills in marketing. So if someone you know does audio or they do video, like they could come in and just like you said, disrupt the space. And they came out yeah. of nowhere, but they had whatever fifteen years of skills in some other area. Yeah, cool.
1: they went from I think five hundred clicks a month to over a million like in one month. It was just, what? they're doing, we can't quite figure it out, but, you know, we think there's some interesting link building or something else going on, you know, back there. But again, these are people who have worked in this space, teaching others how to do it. They clearly know the tricks of the trade. I just hope they don't get, you know, caught up in one of those Google updates right. for doing something, you know, what, not what ideal. The, name of
0: the site? Sorry.
1: Modern, modern proper. Again, okay. beautiful site, beautiful photos, um, good okay. recipes. I've tried a couple, but, um, okay. yeah, they are definitely, if, if those girls are listening, you guys are disrupting the space, but you know, still fun to watch. Yeah.
0: That's cool. <laughs> I'll, I'll check that out. So do you have any, I mean, you've given a lot of advice, but do you have any specific tips for someone who wants to sort of follow in your footsteps? And maybe we could even look at it through the lens of like the author space where you started a blog and then it turned into sort of another career.
1: Yeah. Um, well, when it comes to to blogging I feel like I've you know given as much advice as I can but I would love to give some advice to people who want to be an author because I get that question all the time from people who want to be children's book authors to help self help to cookbooks. Um, one thing I can tell you is because now everyone can be a writer, you have to be able to prove to the publishing houses that you can sell your own product. So if you want to become an author, you need to have a YouTube channel that gets a ton of visits, a Facebook, um, a website, at least just one that's really kicking ass in, in that space. Sorry, I again. Um, that is really the key, that if you want to get a book published, you have to show, I can sell it without your help. And they will give you a publicist. I mean, I didn't get on Rachel Ray by myself. That was thanks to Harper Collins and the publicist they gave me. But they want to know you can sell for yourself. Um, and video is huge in that, especially if you're going to write in a space that would put you on a morning show like mine. You need to be able to prove to them, I can carry my own on camera as well.
0: Gotcha. That said... If you can sell your own book, does the, and I, maybe we have to take this offline because you can't say anything about the publishing industry. I realized that as I asked the question, but did you ever think about self-publishing or maybe someone wants to self-publish? What are the pros and cons versus self-publishing and, and working with a, a publisher?
1: Well, actually, my first book was self-published. It's called Fruit Infusion. It's terrible. It has amazing (laughs) recipes in it, but it's terrible. Um, Last I looked, somebody had sent me a link. It was like $1,000 a book online because there's only like 20 rolling around. Um, Don't buy it. Just get the Kindle copy. It's better. But um, yeah, I did a fruit infused water book and self-published it. um, And it did not do great as much as I self-promoted it. Um, it was expensive. It was a lot of work. Um, shipping it out was difficult. Um, However, I will say that I did go to my publishing house a couple of years ago and said, hey, I want to do like a daily journal. And my agent came back to me and she said, you know, Audrey, it's a really great idea, but that market's so heavily saturated. Why don't you just do it as, you know, a self publish? So you will hear from some uh, literary agents actually who say, hey, I don't even want the commission. I think this would be better self published. Um, I do have a friend, her name is Karen Alpert. She writes the Baby Sideburns uh, blog, and I should I, I should have you talk to her. You would uh, you would love her. She's huge in the mommy blog uh, space. Her first book, um, I think it was called "I Want My to Hurl Back." Really funny. She's like she's a comedian. She's amazing. Um, she actually self published it, and somehow I don't know the full story, but it would be great if you could interview her and find out. She got um, some traction on it, and Harper Collins. That's how we met. Same publishing house um, picked it up. And republished it. So there, if you want to get a book published, there's no harm in self-publishing it because maybe you can sell it to a publishing house. If you can show, you know, there's a market for it. Can you imagine what would happen if it had a better cover and if it had a publicist behind it? You know, so I would say don't not pursue your dreams. You know, I mean, that was a terrible sentence coming from a writer, but um, (laughs) I would say, you know, try it. And, you know, I, I really find that Our failures are sometimes exactly what we need to get to the next step. And writing a self-published book, that is awful. (laughs) I mean, good recipes. I mean, it doesn't even have an index because I was too lazy to do it. Um, Yes, I was definitely too lazy to do it. (laughs) Um, You know, failing with that got me to my next step. So
0: gotcha. Very cool. Well, Audrey, this has been amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share that I didn't ask you about or or anything like that?
1: Not that I can think of, but maybe I can come back and be on the show again when I have another cool project we can chat about.
0: Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be fantastic. So where can people find you?
1: Uh, Visit me at loseweightbyeating.com. And I, like I said, respond to every single Facebook comment. It's Lose Weight by Eating with Audrey John. So send me a little comment on there and I will be happy to chat with you.
0: Very cool, yeah, we'll link up so people could find it really easily and really appreciate uh, your time today. It was great talking to you.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Thanks a lot to Audrey and definitely check out her blog and her cookbooks as well. It's pretty cool to hear from people that started their blog for a specific reason that wasn't associated with side hustles or earning money or anything like that. I mean, I didn't come at it in that direction, but it's interesting because they seem to have a completely different outlook and kind of lucked, not lucked, but they worked their way into success. Their motivation was completely different. It was very clear for them why they were working on the site, Usually it was a passion project of some kind, not, hey, I want to make some extra money on the side. When I hear from people that struggle with motivation, for example, usually they're coming at it from the monetary standpoint, which there's nothing wrong with it. Again, that is exactly why I started doing this stuff. It sounded kind of fun, but it was even you know cooler to earn some money on the side in that, that was one of the main drivers for me. However, there was sort of a internal hunger for learning and working on these you know, niche sites, doing keyword research and so on. Anyway, it's cool to hear from people that you know they grow a following, they grow a blog, it turned into a full-time income and the opportunity to write books, traditionally publish books, which is a big deal. Again, I think I said it in the interview, but not like a self-published book, which that is totally fine. I have a friend doing really well with a self-published book, but it's kind of cool. If you could head over to the Barnes and Noble or your local bookstore and buy the person's book, that is pretty neat. And that's you know, this is what Audrey was able to pull off. So anyway, thanks to her for hanging out with me. If you have follow-up questions or anything like that, feel free to shoot me an email feedback at doug.show. And I'll make another request. I think I did this in a recent episode, but if you have topic ideas, if you have some show ideas, questions for a mailbag episode or something like that, let me know feedback at doug.show. And in fact, You can even leave me a voicemail. It's been a really long time since someone left me a voicemail. There's a phone number listed in the show notes. It's a Google voice phone number, but you can leave me a voicemail and I'll play it on the show. I think there's only one that I didn't play on the show uh, just because it was hard to understand. I think maybe it was a bad connection or something like that, but you can even leave a voicemail. There's a phone number. You can just call it up. I'll play it on the air. So show ideas, follow up questions, other things like that. Let me know. And one other idea, I don't even want to say it because I'm afraid enough people will tell me they want to see it, but it's been a while. But recently I got a request for, you know, building a site and sort of doing it as a, not necessarily a public case study, but maybe a case study where I share you know, more information on a you know monthly or weekly basis or something like that and go through, build a site and share what's going on. People always love to see that. It doesn't sound, I've built a lot of these sites. I've been doing this for a little while. It doesn't sound super exciting for me. Additionally, Usually, if there's any kind of public situation with the site, people come out of the woodwork and they try and mess with it. So there's a lot of negative aspects. And I know a lot of people that follow along and have followed along. You've heard me talk about, you know, why I don't do public sites and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it is a popular idea and I know it could be a way to grow the podcast, grow the YouTube channel, stuff like that. But if it doesn't make me excited, I'm not sure how much I can go into it and what it would lead to, I'm afraid. This is a really long question, huh? What it would lead to is me getting started and then stopping it. So I have done a couple, not completely public case studies, but I share a ton of results, do monthly updates. And then something happens, I lose interest, I get a little busy, I get bored and then I just stop it. So usually it's about 6 months of a lifespan and these days it takes a little longer to get rolling. So potentially I could do a different kind of case study something where it would go a little uh, faster and I could sort of use I mean I don't want to work on <laughs> I don't want to work on something that I'm not excited about or that has a kind of a lower chance of success. One thing we should all do is look at our unfair advantage. And maybe you have extra skills. Maybe you have a good network. Maybe you have a platform that's already existing and you could utilize that to do a better job for future projects and just build on top of what you've already done. So that seems way more likely. I have a couple ideas, but the overarching question is, would you want to see like somewhat of a case study out there? Again, I'm trying to think of something that I could share, I could share exactly what I'm doing and show you, go check it out, but something like not completely associated with niche sites since that seems like uh, where I've had issues before, as far as negative SEO copycats, my friend, Alex Cooper over at WP Eagle, you know, he's done a couple public niche sites and there's so many copycats. It's, um, it's sounds frustrating. I would. I would not want to do that, but it, you know, it works out well for him. So anyway, any thoughts on me doing some sort of a, a public case study side hustle, like demonstration where potentially I could use my unfair advantages that I've, uh, accumulated over the years. So I think that's it for today. Have a great day. We'll catch you on the next episode.